Hey everyone, it's James Lindsay. This is New Discourses Bullets, where I do a bullet point summary of a single topic out of woke Marxism that I think you need to understand so that we can fight and defeat it. The topic today is going to be another new term that I'm kind of making up, which is going to be narrative arc fitting. I don't know a good term for this. Arc fitting. Narrative arc. You have a narrative arc and you're going to fit things into it. This is how the woke operate when they do a lot of their unconventional warfare. We've already talked numerous times about the operational preparation of the environment and how they spin narratives and all of this stuff. And what they this is how they seem to do magic on society that has massive amounts of effect. What they do is they create a broad narrative arc and then they find specific events to fit into that arc as proof of worldview. That's what I'm calling narrative arc fitting. Arc fitting. So there's an arc to the narrative, and they need evidence to get people to believe it. So they create the narrative, they create the story, they create the belief, they get it out there, they repeat it ad nauseum as propaganda, and then they try to fit evidence into the arc when it's necessary. So back in the day, the narrative arc built and built and built up that there must be racism in the police, racism in the police, racism in the police, racism in the police, and all of the kind of um, early Black Lives Matter stuff tried to arc fit this. You had the Michael Brown situation in Ferguson. That was a big mess. That was a year of Black Lives Matter activism kind of blowing up. And if you listen to some of the original Black Lives Matter advocates um, who are kind of just, you know, neighborhood dudes, uh, you hear that that's when the Marxists stole their movement from them, that, you know, the BLM, uh, Garza, Tometi, or whatever, the Colors, uh, stole their movement from them. And uh, what they tried to do was to plug this messy, but actually, apparently, according to even Obama's DOJ and Eric Holder, clean-cut law enforcement uh, situation into a narrative arc of racist police, especially in cities racist policing. So they're going to go after their their goal is to go after policing and to go after America and say it has a deep hidden racism problem and then they're going to create a narrative arc about that and then they're going to plug events like that like Michael Brown into it or Ahmed Arbery or Breonna Taylor. And the 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 magic is every time this doesn't work unless it's called out very clearly and very succinctly and very effectively to the broader public, the narrative gains strength. That's why they were saying, say their names. That's why when George Floyd died, it was this homage to exactly these same people on these dis discredited stories, Michael Brown, not least, and Ferguson. They build the narrative, and then when George Floyd died, they had the footage that was going to move a mountain. They had a point of leverage that was like an Archimedean point to move the world, as Herbert Marcuse said, that you're looking for with George Floyd video footage. Of course, we saw the longer video later and saw that their story was a bunch of crap, like usual. But what they had was a long narrative arc about racist police, and they plugged George Floyd into it, and the world went crazy. Actually, more accurately, the world did not go crazy. A lot of people went crazy. A lot of people went very stupid. But this is literally what happens when they launch the kinetic portion of a color revolution. That is what we underwent. This was a, the the true beginning of the American Cultural Revolution. If I might brag on myself, I talked to some DOD members under the Trump DOD in February of 2020, three months before that happened, and I said, I bet you within the next six months we're going to see something spark off using critical race theory that's going to be like the Chinese Cultural Revolution, and you guys should prepare for it. And they told me, no way. Well, I was right. James Lindsay was right. Hashtag. Uh, beside the point. What we're seeing right now, and this is why I keep pointing at the drag Floyd issue, 
And the podcast isn't about that. The podcast is about the concept of narrative arc fitting. I want people to understand that they build out a narrative arc. So when you see a narrative arc building, you know that the next thing they're going to look for is proof of worldview, that they're going to plug into it. And then they have a long paper trail, a long story, a long mythology that then suddenly seems to become true and motivates massive public action. And what we must do is identify those narratives and we must disrupt them by making sure that the pieces of evidence don't plug in and verify the worldview. So with drag Floyd, a lot of people are telling me we can't stop a drag Floyd. They'll manufacture a drag Floyd or somebody is going to finally crack over this relentless provocation, escalating provocation with sexualization of drag queens, particularly in front of children, hence drag Floyd. George Floyd, like that, but with a drag queen or a trans person who happens to be a victim as a result of the provocation mostly coming from drag queen story time or whatever else. Okay, so what has to happen is we can't probably stop the event. We should hope to. Do not give them drag Floyd. Do not be violent. Make them make a fool of themselves or false flag it or whatever else. Do not give them drag Floyd. Do not be violent. Restrain yourself. Do not go to the events. This isn't about that. This isn't about advice. This is about understanding, though, that they've built out these narrative arcs. What do they look like? Well, here's one. One of the narrative arcs that they've built so far is stochastic terrorism. That talking about Drag Queen Story Hour, showing evidence that it's happening at schools, etc., is causing people to show up and be intimidating or violent at these events. So there's a element of stochastic terrorism. You know, they put on a drag queen story hour at a school library, lives at TikTok, Matt Walsh, myself, other people, Marjorie Taylor Greene, so on, promote that this is happening, say that this is unacceptable. Somebody shows up and does something maybe stupid or just is intimidating. They decide they're going to take matters into their own hands and stand up for kids rather than doing the responsible thing and protecting their kids and protecting their neighbor's kids and basically leaving it at that um, because of the nature of the moment. And eventually something violent might happen, and they call this stochastic terrorism. Libs of TikTok points out that there's things happening at the Boston Children's Hospital involving trans surgeries with minors. Um, somebody ends up calling in a bomb threat uh, to the Boston Children's Hospital. That was stochastic terrorism. Libs of TikTok caused this through the random uh, fluctuations in behavior. She knew she wanted a violent incident. They're accusing her. That's false. And it, she, they couldn't know that even if it were true. She wants the violence to happen. They're, they're accusing, but she wants it to happen through random people showing up that she doesn't actually orchestrate. She doesn't pay off a hitman. She agitates some random hitman to go do something crazy. That's the idea. That's a, so they've woven this arc of stochastic terrorism very deeply into all of this. They've tied it into a second arc of rising anti-LGBTQ hate that's now so severe that they're putting out a narrative arc that trans people are so afraid of the transphobia rising in this country. The most tolerant place on earth. Where are they going to go? They have to leave the country, they say, for their safety. Where the hell are they going to go? Canada? China? Not China. Not China. Oh no, not China. They don't do that in China. You're going to be in a standing room only prison under Tiananmen Square, dick to dick, boys. Uh, not China. Um, where are they going to go? We're in one of the most tolerant, if not the most tolerant society on the planet. Um, so this is BS. They're, they're claiming that there's this rising tide of anti-LGBTQ or specifically trans sentiment that's tipping toward the violent. They're seeding the idea that violence is imminent through some kind of a stochastic terrorism event because of the rising anti-LGBTQ hate. So bad that trans people are afraid to stay in the country. 
I don't see any of them leaving, which they'll say is structural because they don't have enough money to leave and blah, blah, blah. And because trans people are, are oppressed and they just weave it into the narrative, but they're building out this long narrative of growing violence and what they're going to do, whether it's drag Floyd or not, is wait until some incident of violence occurs, whether real or a false flag or manufactured or a little bit of everything, whether agitated by certain intelligence or law enforcement agents with crazy people, whatever it happens to be, they're going to wait until such a thing happens. And then they're going to say, see, We've been crying about this for months and you didn't listen. This was a serious issue and now somebody's dead. We've built out the narrative. People believe that there's this pallor of growing or the specter of growing anti-LGBTQ hate, potential violence against trans people, potential violence against drag queens. They're showing video after video after video after video of people showing up and being intimidating of Antifa showing up with guns to guard drag queens. They're putting this out there to build the narrative arc that violence is imminent so that when violence occurs, they will seem credible and can spark off what's called a mass line of action. If you don't know what a mass line of action is, what happened after George Floyd was a mass line of action. And that's what they're building. The way that it works is through a technique I'm calling narrative arc fitting. They are fitting a piece of distorted evidence taken out of context into a narrative arc that was laid for often weeks or months or even years in advance to create a broad social mythology of a problem that they want to condemn and use to extort and gain power. They want power over Marjorie Taylor Greene. They want her censured. They want power over Twitter and Elon Musk. So they, in almost every article, blame Elon Musk for letting transphobes on the platform who had been previously banned, etc., they want to manipulate this and use it for control, to demand censorship, to demand control, to demand censoring, censuring and censoring people uh, in power that are against their agenda or of any influence. They want people like Libs of TikTok and Matt Walsh and myself kicked off of social media so that we can't tell people these things. What they build is the narrative arc and then they fit a piece of evidence into it whether it's contorted or not, whether it's in context or not, and everything blows up reflexively. People act reflexively off of the event, and it becomes proof of worldview. And when the worldview mythology that they've spun in the narrative arc gets that piece of proof that's compelling enough evidence, like Derek Chauvin's knee on George Floyd's back and shoulder and maybe neck, they can set off a revolution. Narrative arc fitting. What do you do with it? You start to look for when they are building consistent narrative arcs. You look for when those narrative arcs are escalating. And then you can confidently and consistently and repeatedly predict that they're going to try to fit some piece of evidence into it. And so what you must do is work to desynchronize that attempt. You must work to make sure that people see that when the thing happens, the precipitating event falls out, that they're using it as part of a long arc of strategy that they've been preparing. And in the end, if you succeed, you waste a year of their time and maybe billions of their dollars, which is a huge tactical win. You prevent possibly the kickoff of another phase of a cultural revolution or color revolution in our nation. Huge tactical win. The goal must be to disrupt the fitting of the evidence into the narrative arc, which I'm calling narrative arc fitting because it's easy to understand. So if you understand that this is how they operate, that they create narratives and fit things into the arc of the narrative to make it bend the way they want it to, 
then you understand a great deal of their linguistic strategy, of their media strategy. And if you understand it, you can preempt it. You can disrupt it. You can desynchronize it. You can interrupt it. You can get people to see that it was all an operation or a scam. That's why I always keep calling it Operation Drag Floyd. If you understand that it is an operation that they are engaging in on purpose, a deliberate unconventional warfare provocation to have intended ends, to be able to get the piece of evidence that they can fit into the narrative arcs that they're building so that they can achieve the goals they write about, they confess to over and over again, control Twitter, control Marjorie Taylor Greene, control Congress, control uh, voices that are speaking up against the, the issue and making progress against it. Then you can understand what they're doing and we can laugh at them when they try it rather than all of us putting trans flags in our bios or whatever for the next six months as the new current thing while they run roughshod and Antifa destroys cities all over again.